Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast, where a couple friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, it's been crazy over here in the States. Oof. Uh, we got a few cases of the coronavirus here in Florida, which is where we're based out of. Um, did you manage to get some toilet paper, or was that like I, the question? That wasn't a that wasn't a priority for us. Not because <laughs> like we have like a ton or anything, but. I, I just don't understand the necessity to buy it was so much. Insane. Yeah. Insane out there. It was. Um, my sis went to Publix today in the morning to try and get some some different things, including toilet paper, because we are le- like legitimately out. Like we're down to like a couple of rolls in the house. Right. So we're like, we need toilet paper, but then there's like this pandemic, and now people are buying up the toilet paper for some reason. So. Uh, pray for us. We're gonna, we're gonna just try and coast through it. And, um, you know, it might be that we have to take more showers or something. <laughs> take more showers. Yes. If it's two ply, split yeah. it up. Make there it one ply. the Seinfeld episode yes. about the one ply. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't spare can't a square. one. <laughs> can't spare right. a square. So uh, basically, yeah. uh, I don't know if you guys know this, we're, we're not in the same room when we were recording. No. Our episode, so we're just gonna continue on. Where obviously a lot of movies have been delayed or pushed back or, or canceled their release dates. So um, our little schedule that we had going on has kind of been imploded, and we're just gonna play it by ear. If you guys want to stick around with us and see what kind of interesting content we come up with during this season of quarantine, um, we'll see what happens. We're gonna start uh, recommending movies on our socials, which we just started uh, with a bunch of Netflix movies on our Instagram. Instagram stories we were like hey like if you're inside these are some movies that you might want to check out while you're there yep um so we're just trying to be as calm and as yeah fun as possible exactly if you're home alone hey listen to us listen to us listen to us exactly And uh, speaking of movie recommendations, not only on Netflix, we'll be uh, mentioning Hulu, uh, Prime Video, Mm -hmm. uh, Criterion, like all different ones that I know that I'm subscribed to. Jessica's subscribed to a couple and, you know, movies that we just feel like people should watch and have a good time watching during this entire episode that we're in. I I can't even describe it. Interesting. It really is. Now. Today is kind of a normal episode because we are reviewing a movie. Well, we're reviewing three movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're kind of doing something like we did in January where we went through a bit of a gauntlet and ran through <laughs> a few movies. So these are movies that are still in theaters that just came out not too long ago. And we haven't had a chance to talk about them here on the podcast. And mm. with everything going on, it kind of, you know kind of forced our hand into talking about them. So uh, let's get into it. We have three different movies that we're going to talk about. Let's start with the first one, and that is Ben Affleck starring in The Way Back. What's going on with you? What's new? Not much. I hate the idea of you down there by yourself all the time. Just drinking. I'm fine. I appreciate it. But it's, I'm fine. Ever since I heard the howling wind. I suppose you're wondering why I called you over here. I didn't need to go where a Bible went. Our basketball coach had a heart attack the other night. We need a new coach, Jack. And you know your gifts seem heaven sent. Is the team any good? No. The last time they made the playoffs, back when you were playing. Let's go, line up. You're Marcus, right? That's right. How many threes did Marcus make last year? A percentage of 26. Yeah. Want to know why they're leaving you open? It's because they don't think you could hit the ocean from the beach. (laughs) Yo, he just spit facts at your ass, bro. (laughs) I don't know how you house the sins. So how you liking coaching so far? Great. Just getting used to the players. What players? I was never sure how much of you I could let in. I heard you're coaching basketball. Yeah. Keeps me busy. Keeps my mind off other things, you know. Once you settle down, baby, you love your spin. I spent a lot of time hurting myself. Heavenly Father. I made a lot of bad decisions. Don't carry other names. I had a lot of regrets. It's directed by Gavin O'Connor. 
he has directed multiple um, sports movies. He has directed Warrior with Tom Hardy. He has oh, also directed Miracle with Kurt Russell. Oh, uh, so, I haven't seen that one. So that's three sports movies under his belt. So the guy knows a bit of what he's doing. Uh, right. The synopsis, IMDb. Jack Cunningham was a high school basketball phenom who walked away from the game, forfeiting his future. Years later, when he reluctantly accepts a coaching job at his alma mater, he may get one last shot of redemption. As yep. I mentioned before, uh, Gavin O'Connor directed. It's written by O'Connor and Brad Inglesby. And it stars yep. Ben Affleck, Al Madrigal, and Janina Gavinkar. Mm-hmm. Just had to make sure to say it. How did it do, you know, critically, Jessica? Well, it's got 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty high. Pretty high. Pretty high for a sports movie that no one was very, you know, in about. Right. And nobody was, audience, like, clamoring for it. Nobody wanted it. Um, <laughs> no one was being like, hey, Ben Affleck, when are you going to do a sports movie you know i feel like you you can go down that route no uh but audiences also liked it too 84 percent from audiences so it's doing well critically critically it's doing well mm-hmm. um box office of course we have to take this with a grain of salt with everything going on um it's made 13.4 million so far in its run Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out the same weekend as Onward, so it's already been in theaters for a week and a half now. Uh, so it, it's it's kind of hard to judge it. But everything is suffering. Everything at suffering. the box office. I don't think anything is immune. To yeah. The so virus. Um, that number is a little tough. Capping the theater, you know. Exactly. Like experience. AMC. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you read this, but AMC yep. is capping their theater sizes to fifty percent. Yes. So once a theater hits 50% of ticket sales, they're closed. And mm-hmm. that's going to run all the way till the end of April, which yep. is nuts. But Yes. So um, let's go ahead and let's talk about it. Um, Jessica, I'll let you go first on this okay. one just to see what would you think of The Way Back? Well, it. Uh, I had my wig snatched. It was really good. <laughs> I, I came into the theater and I turned to you and I said, look, I really want this to be good. I... Hope that this is good because I don't want to waste a night out at the theater and just watch like another mediocre sports movie. And I am really harsh on sports movies because I don't like sports. No, you don't like sports so and you don't watch sports. to make me care, <laughs> and I don't watch sports. So to make me care enough to like sit there for two hours, like it has to be special. And I think that this movie made me, it wasn't even like a basketball movie at the end of the day to me. This was more about. Uh, grief about moving on with your life about um you know a little bit of addiction i think yeah addiction Um, possibly redemption redemption and um forgiveness yes is huge as well so i think when they dropped the whole basketball shtick and they were like you know what this isn't really a basketball movie this is more of a character study and this man is who is struggling um through his life and he just was very given this opportunity to coach basketball and that kind of like saved him for a little bit. Um, but it all comes to a head in the movie. And that's what I think at that point in the movie, I was like, Oh, this is better than maybe the three, three and a half stars that I had in my head. Gotcha. As a, as a rating. Oh, okay. Got it. Mm -hmm. So those moments of dealing with the circumstances, his personal circumstances, is what yes. elevated it. Yeah, Got absolutely. It. Because I think that oftentimes you have a sports movie with like an very poetically upright individual as yeah. the coach. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, like Denzel Washington in yes. Remember the Titans. Mm-hmm. Kurt Russell in Miracle. Like you can yeah. think Coach Carter, Samuel L. Jackson. These are characters that you can can't really find a fault with exactly and that's why they're i mean not to knock these movies but as far as the character goes like ben affleck as like a struggling alcoholic who's like a construction worker by day has really no no career per se no no drive very um depressed i feel like that is way more interesting to watch him go through 
all of his issues and try and work it out versus just seeing another basketball movie, another football movie, what have you. And the coach is like, fine. Like there's nothing wrong with the coach. It's like just circumstances around the coach, like racism in the sixties and stuff like that. That's like the conflict. But in here, the conflict is he's all messed up. The protagonist has his own conflict. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've, did find a lot of that very moving in moments, uh, having to see the protagonist go through hardship, um, especially in a sports movie. Like you were saying, we don't see that often. Mm -hmm. Usually it's outside circumstances affecting either a team or the coach, but here it's his own internal demons Mm -hmm. that are battling. Now here's, here's a funny thing. Um, is that Affleck did speak about how the film acted as a form of therapy for him following his own stints with alcoholism and rehab. Yeah, I can see that. I think there's a lot of people who have said that this movie kind of reflects a bit of Affleck's life in terms of rehab and alcoholism Mm -hmm. and some of the things that he's gone through. Let Let me ask you this. As a leading performer, how do you feel about Ben Affleck in general? I do not care for Ben Affleck. Okay. Don't care for him. Um, don't care for him. There's never a moment where I'm like, oh shit, Ben Affleck's out with another movie. I have to see it. Got it. Um, okay. I don't find him very compelling in and of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but he definitely blows me away at some, po- at some points. And I think that he's get a gifted storyteller because didn't he win an Oscar for like Argo? Yeah. And that was his baby. That was his baby. Yeah. Uh, he directed The Town. Which yep. he starred in, but he also directed, and he mm-hmm. directed his brother in Gone Baby Gone. Yep. So the guy mm-hmm. knows at least what he's doing in that aspect. Mm-hmm. So um, I am kind of in the same boat. I wouldn't say that I am ambivalent or anything, but uh, I will say that he does, in certain roles, he can really be effective. Yeah, um, I think that he has the ability to deliver where you don't think that he can deliver. Exactly. And you you see it in the town. You see it in Gone Girl. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think he comes off as that smarmy (laughs) husband. Like it's just enough. (laughs) Yeah, it's just enough. Like he he, basically he's a dick, and like he he plays it well. Yes, next to the missing poster or whatever of his wife. Yes, it is. And everyone's like, "What the hell is he doing? Like his wife is missing, and he's like smiling for the cameras. Like it just." Things like that, you're like, oh, yeah, I totally believe Ben Affleck would. <laughs> would yeah, do like that. he can yeah. do this very well. Yeah. And we've been seeing this since Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So, again, he can surprise, he can, you know, deliver good performances, but it's not something that you're rushing out to, like, oh, God, it's Ben Affleck's new yeah, movie. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like a red box, like, oh, I got this movie for a dollar. Let's see if it's any good. And you're like, hey, Ben Affleck can act. it's always a surprise it's always a surprise so with that said uh, before we get into spoilers uh what'd you give this movie i gave it a four out of five a four out of five i did nice strong score strong score it's high uh so i am not as high as you i am i'm at a three out of five (gasps) yeah I can see it though. I I understand. You I understand, understand it, and but let's talk about it. Yeah, we'll get into it right after this. The greatest trick, Houston. We have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? So let's go ahead and let's talk about the spoilers in this movie and Mm -hmm. why there's a difference in our score. Mm -hmm. Um, First off, I think that a lot of the things that we liked (laughs) are some of the saddest things in the movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I think the saddest one of the saddest things in the movie is Ben Affleck jumping into the shower. And while taking a shower, he's he has a beer in there because he can't stop drinking. Shower trolley. Oof. It is like so terrible to see. Have you ever seen something so low? Oof, it is bad. It is really bad. Uh, Oh my gosh. His drinking is just like all time. Oh yeah. Like there's one night where he goes through, I think it's like like an entire case, 20 cans of beers. And it's like the night that he's trying to decide whether or not to become the basketball coach after he was off the 
the job. Offered the job, yeah. Yeah, and so just seeing him, and as the night goes, it gets worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think the rehab scene, because here's something the movie okay. does that's interesting. Yeah. The movie has a false ending. What it does yeah. is, after the big basketball game that he's coaching, like the, there's mm-hmm. one last game that he's coaching, and they win that game, and it freeze frames on his face. It I fades thought for to sure black. it was going to end there. And then all of a sudden, we still got more movie because we still have him <laughs> to deal with. Right. And so... Which I felt a little bit like, oh, okay. But I know how other people would be like, what the hell is this? I, I was ready to get up and leave. Yeah, a lot they of people They freeze-framed on his face. Yes. Like, that is... Just almost like, like a dead giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like when you freeze frames Bender near at the, the end. end of Breakfast Club. Like yes. it's the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the, the end. Air, freeze frame, you're done. Yeah, exactly. But, and this um, movie, you know. It continues for like, what, 30 minutes? It's yeah. like a long time. <laughs> it is a long time. But you deal with the ramifications of what's going on in his actual life. This is a man <laughs> who is divorced or not even divorced. He's separated. From his wife. And the movie doesn't let us know why until mm-hmm. like two thirds of the way in. Yeah. It lets us know late what happened. What happened. Them. And mm-hmm. he lies early in the movie because uh, the priest who offers him the basketball job, no kids. And he's like, no, no kids. And then later we we find out it's because he did have a son who died the to son. cancer. Yes. The son died of cancer. So now he's a gr- picture of a grieving father, which... Him and Casey Affleck know how to play the shit out of a grieving father, oh, apparently. God, My gosh. So um, that made that colored the whole movie differently, I thought. Yeah, it really did, because mm-hmm. it puts a because I think what you're expecting is like this is a man that maybe had daddy issues i think in my head he i was have daddy thinking issues. It's he a, did it's another white guy with daddy issues yeah. unfortunately but, but i thought that was going to be the crux i thought that mm-hmm. was going to be it but mm-hmm. i didn't he gave expect up his it. basketball career yeah to spite in his spite father. of his father yeah, yeah which was ridiculous i mean something that he loved yeah something he that like, he I loved the game and i was good at it but that that and, changed my relationship with my father who didn't love me very much and he loved what i could do Right. And for those who know about sports, he was offered a scholarship to Kansas, which is one of the top basketball schools in, you know, the country. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think that this movie, when it's in those moments, it's great. Um, His relationship. uh, Yeah. The wife was interesting. Interesting. Um, Yeah. And uh, what did I want to say? Basically, you said it before that when he gets into rehab, a lot of this stuff starts coming up. Yeah. And I just I think I I was very emotional when he was talking with the therapist and the therapist was like, why don't you want to talk about your son? Please talk about your son, whatever. Let it out. And he's like, nobody wants to hear about that. Nobody wants to hear about all the bad things. And he started listing very specific instances of just gut wrenching moments with his son going through cancer treatments and nobody wants to hear about the specifics of the disease they just want to hear oh i'm doing fine yeah he's doing okay he's getting better versus i stayed up with him all night and because he was vomiting and he had a fever and we had to admit him and all this stuff and the real struggle which is what lingers for him yeah it's it's a really tough heartbreaking moment and you can actually feel you know empathy for him in that moment just yeah knowing that he has lost something that he truly loved and cared about. Um, Before we get out of here with this movie, because Mm -hmm. we still got two more to go, I wanted to talk about the basketball moments really fast. I think the basketball is done in a way where a lot of the action is skipped and you were (laughs) so excited, (laughs) especially the very first game where Mm -hmm. like the game is about to tip off and then it freeze frames and shows the score. Uh, The team sucks. But then yeah, because then they changed their attitude to become tougher. He even says a line. I don't care if we lose every game, but I'm not going to be out toughed. Yeah. And so that that line got you like you were like, ooh. and <laughs> so like, <laughs> but the style of basketball that they played, anyone who plays basketball will know this type of team. And it's they will press you the entire court for the entire game. And they are the most <laughs> annoying team that you ever play. That is the type of team that he builds pretty much a, that skill set because they're all shorter. They're not as fast as the other teams in their conference. So uh, some of the basketball is 
pretty it's well done. It's over. Yeah, but I mean, some of it's really well done. Some of it's really well done in terms of how they, they shoot it. They had a few it. montages. Yep. Just like they any, had uh, a key guy who looked like he could should. play basketball, although mm-hmm. he was a man and he was supposed to play sixteen-year-old kid. There were, okay, there were a few there kids a on few. my team where I was like, "That's a full-grown man." That is a full-grown man, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and they're supposed to be like high school kids. So, uh, but again, uh, it shot well because Gavin O'Connor knows how to shoot sports. He's been doing it for a while now. So yeah, overall. I enjoyed the movie. Enjoyable and also extremely emotional. Yes. So be prepared. Yes. Don't go oh. in thinking, oh, I'll have a great time. Eh, it's not it's quite a like that. movie. No. No. Definitely no, no, not. No. <laughs> so that is our wrap up on The Way Back. So now we are going to talk about our next movie. We are kind of going back in time here because Oof. it's going to be a period piece that yes. we're going to talk- be talking about. Love and period pieces. And that is Emma. Dearly beloved friends, we gather here in this time of man's great innocence. Innocence? Innocence? No? Now, Emma, uh, for those who don't know, is based on a Jane Austen novel. Uh, The IMDb synopsis in 1800s England, a well-meaning but selfish young woman meddles in the love lives of her friends. Uh, Yeah, this movie was directed by Autumn DeWilde. It was written by Eleanor Catton, uh, based on the novel by Jane Austen, and it stars Anya Taylor-Joy, Johnny Flynn, and Bill Nighy. I, I got to yes. make sure that I put the pronunciation <laughs> yes. on the night. <laughs> I started. it. That's why I started laughing. Yeah. So, How did it uh, do? It, well, Rotten Tomatoes is pretty high, 85%. Audiences is a little lower, 73%. Hmm. That's a little tough. A little yeah. bit. Um, a little bit. Since its opening, uh, it opened in limited release first, and then it finally went wide. It's yeah. made $10 million. Uh, and so with that, what were your what thoughts on the movie, okay. Emma? All right, so I saw uh, the original. Not I don't. I don't want to say original because there's been so many Jane Austen um, adaptations. It's kind of like Little Women in TV form. It, it's just boundless. So, but I did. I remember watching the 90, 1996 version with Gwyneth Paltrow as Emma Woodhouse. So that Emma is my frame of reference for this movie. And I'm like, well, you you have to beat that movie. Same as Little Women. I was like, oh, the Winona Ryder version. Like, you have to beat that in my head. So this one did not beat the 1996 version. Okay. I... I... I, like at all. <laughs> what what was one of the main reasons in general why it didn't? I thought Anya Taylor Joy was so unlikable mm, as Emma. Gotcha. I not a likable protagonist. Not a likable protagonist at all. She played it extremely um, rude with a lot of attitude. Um, she was not an easy to digest character, and the character that. Gwyneth played was a lot more playful, a lot more innocent, played it more naive, was extremely bright and um, like a bright personality versus this dark asshole of a person who was constantly belittling people behind their back. And that didn't sit well with me, especially after I saw like Gwyneth Paltrow's like effervescent like Emma portrayal. So I think that's why I didn't necessarily like this Emma so much. That's not to say that this movie isn't beautiful to look at. Oh, it's beautiful to look at. It's beautiful to look at. It has a really nice cast. Bill Nye is like a vision as Mr. Woodhouse, her dad. Yes. He was freaking <laughs> hilarious. And... um I don't know. The the pacing was a bit off. The script was very disjointed. I thought it was a little quick for the casual audience to kind of keep up with all the characters. They keep saying, Mr. So-and-so, Miss So-and-so. And you're like, who the fuck? Like, it was very quick. Yeah. And I didn't feel that way at all with the 1996 version. I was very, it was very easy to follow okay. or easier to follow yeah. than this one. So I thought that was a detriment. So... Coming at it from a first-time viewer, I have never okay, seen yeah, t- the 96 version. So, What did you think? Uh, so I do agree with you on Anya Taylor-Joy's 
performance, she does come off unlikable because of the fact she feels very manipulative. Okay, yeah. Tough, yeah. tough word for me to say there, apparently. Manipulative. And so the character does not come off as someone you want to root for. Right. Uh, because and you need to root for yeah, her. Yeah, you need to root for her, especially being the protagonist. You can understand she's making some shitty decisions and she is super naive, but you're not rooting against her. No, you well, you're not to supposed fail. to. You're not supposed right. to. And so you I think I felt more uh, empathy for her best friend at times mm-hmm. where, she, you know, Emma is making all these decisions and telling her what to do and what to say. And, you know, you kind of feel more like you're rooting for the best friend mm-hmm. than you are for Emma. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but with that said, though, I think that the major, I think almost the entire cast is you know, very good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned Bill Nye. He, he has like these, you know, idiosyncrasies <laughs> that are just yes. really funny. Is there a draft? Which that never happened in never the, uh, happened. 1996. But that's original to this one. Yeah. Uh, the draft. <laughs> the draft. Uh, there's a guy. Uh, his name is Johnny Flynn. He plays George Knightley, mm-hmm. um, who I found Mr. to be. Knightley. Yeah. He was like a foil to Emma. And that, throughout that's the entire what movie. he's supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, he's supposed well. to he's be. He's like the voice of reason because yeah. she's right, right, ridiculous like the whole time. The entire time. And um, so he, he's very uh, understanding of her and also will put her in her place because when she's wrong, she's wrong. Yeah. And something that I, I will agree with you, it did become at a moment I was trying to keep up with the different characters when they would name them. Was it them. tough for you? Just a tad bit because of the fact that since I'm not familiar with the novel or anything, Uh uh I'm just going based on who's on the screen, who is being referred to what name. And sometimes they would name someone and that person hasn't even shown up yet. And you're Mm -hmm. like, who are they talking about? Right. You know, so little things like that. Now, I think a lot of the humor I I enjoyed, you know, Mm -hmm. it's the little things, the little idiosyncrasies or the little, (laughs) you know, playful like you know, little phrases back and forth between characters that I think that I enjoyed. Um, but overall, like it's, it's a nice sit of a movie, you know, and you can, you can watch it and it looks nice, but overall it kind of feels like I don't have to watch this again. Yes. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's nice to look at, but I don't have to see it again. Yeah. So overall, so what was the score that you gave it? I gave it a three out of five. So did I. I settled oh, okay. on a three. Uh, I was look. I, I was aiming- going to go a little higher than me. I was aiming at three point five, but after thinking about it with some of the things uh, that <laughs> did I change your your point five? Uh, maybe a little bit, but um, I was kind of in the middle there. I was kind of like trying to decide. Uh, uh, so I settled yeah. on the three. And so we'll go ahead and we'll talk about why we settled on our scores right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, so let's talk about spoilers for the movie Emma, mm-hmm. 2020 yep. version. And uh, so let's talk about, uh, I don't know where we can start where here. Where should but we start? Okay, yeah. so the whole premise of the movie is that Emma is this rich girl living in the countryside. And she has a small pool of country friends. Some are poor, some are rich. And Mr. Knightley is kind of her... Um, accomplice and her neighbor and yes. he is uh, young and um i think they kind of play it for the most part as like a platonic relationship he's more of like an a brother to her than anything obviously there's something more there because they get together by the end of the movie and right. um i think that emma is just really There's nothing to do out there, so her one entertainment is matchmaking. So at the beginning of the movie, the wedding that we see is her um, governess. She matchmade her relationship with another man that was part of the neighborhood. He has a son of his own from a previous marriage. I think his wife died. And um, he's old. (laughs) 
<laughs> like he's much older <laughs> than the governess, but whatever. Um, that's 1800s. Mr. I guess. and Mrs. Weston is yes. who they set up. Mm-hmm. So his son is um, Mr. Churchill, I believe. Frank Churchill. Frank Churchill. Who is mentioned throughout, and we don't see him until maybe like halfway through the movie. Yes. So that's one character. That was that one of the confusing over ones. And, over again. and the the scandal is that Frank Churchill never even showed up for his father's re, remarriage. Right. And they're like, wow, how can he not be here? And everyone's kind of like bothered by it because that's such a rude move not to show up to your own father's marriage. To right. Second marriage. Second marriage, but still. Yeah. And even so, like Christmas and other things, like he's not there. So I think that. That starts off like Emma's fascination with the man because they talk him up so much. Then she's like, okay, where is the show me this man? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like only getting secondhand uh, information you know, about information this. And you're like, what the hell? Where is he? Apparently so, about this wonderful man. Yeah. So the scandal happens later when Frank Churchill finally shows up and he ends up having been secretly engaged to this other girl the whole time who also doesn't show up until halfway through the movie she's the other character who gets talked up by one of the ridiculous uh poor ladies in the neighborhood we're talking about jane fairfax jane fairfax yes jane fairfax shows up and frank churchill shows up as well at the same time and uh emma kind of gets wooed by frank and it's this whole thing anyway frank runs off with um jane fairfax and announces their engagement uh Gonna have to actually money. Actually, gotta fix that. What Um, do you mean? They met in college. Yeah, the two of them, and they they had already secretly engaged. Yes, that's what I said. Oh, you secretly uh, engaged. Okay, and then they announced their engagement after he came into some money because the the aunt or somebody who that he was staying with would have never given him a cent had had jane fairfax been like in the mix but right. anyway all this to say there are a lot of like get-togethers and balls and you know things that make a period piece and uh, i don't know if even the story that as it's told is necessarily very compelling um like i said the 1996 version was a little easier to digest um they had Tony Collette playing Harriet Smith, which is the best friend. And it was easier to believe that Tony Collette is like this airhead who was easily swayed by Emma into liking or disliking whoever. Um, Based on the description, it kind of sounds like Tony Collette's character, you said airhead. Maybe yeah, she was very ditzy versus, and it was easier to think that it, it, versus the lady right, the Mia Goff in this one. Yeah. The worst thing more she naive. Did, right. But the worst thing simple. she did was like chew weird. She mm. was chewing food and I was like, what is that? Like, <laughs> what is that <laughs> chewing? So again, like it was more of like a visual thing versus like her actual delivery of lines and stuff like that. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. So. Yeah, Ewan McGregor played French, Frank Churchill as well in the 1996 version, and Alan Cumming played Mr. Elton. Oh, God. <laughs> Certain moments stand out more, like the introduction of like Mr. Knightley in this version was like bizarre, because he comes striding in on his horse, and then we see him like buck naked, changing. Was like, not I was expecting so confused. that. I was extremely confused, because in a period piece, you never expect to see nudity never 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 so same thing with like anya she like gets dressed and then she's left alone in a room and then she just like lifts her skirts and like tries to warm her ass in front of the fireplace and i was like (laughs) what is going on it was really random yeah really random. random and i don't know if they played it for laughs necessarily or if it's just like i think they were going for laughs I don't know. No, I don't really? know. You think it might have been more the shock factor? The biggest laugh was the the running gag with Bill Nye. Yes, the draft part. The I, draft. I did enjoy the very first time he does it. Like they're sitting in like the dining room table, and then right there, he's he's like, "There it is!" There and it like is. He he's like pointing at the window, <laughs> and he's like, "There's a draft." And so there's that. Uh, were there any yeah. moments uh, in the movie that you liked 
um, that maybe stood out? I have um, one. I, I do, and it's when Knightley and her kind of have their moment at the ball. And then that oh, okay. whole, like, afterward where he's like, oh, shit, I need to tell her, like, right now that I have feelings for her. And he runs after the carriage like a lunatic. Gotcha. And then he shows up and everyone's like, why are you here? Right. <laughs> because, and like, stuff happens and he's Stuff like, happens there. and then, yeah, and he's just there. He's like, I just, I just, and he had this, like, weird reason. It was good. I, I quite enjoyed that. And I liked how he just, he gets back home after all that and he just, like, collapses right on the floor. <laughs> and one of his, like, servants comes in and he's like, ooh. I'll just leave you to it and like walks out and closes and then the door. Closes the door. Uh, I enjoyed that. The other moment that I enjoyed is when uh, Emma is playing the piano, you know, for the guests. Yes. And then she steps away and then Jane Fairfax comes up and she's like timid. I, I don't know. She's like, and oh, yeah, then, I don't know. I don't have my music. Whatever. And then she's a virtuoso. <laughs> just starts going wailing on the piano. And so everybody's so transfixed by her. It, yeah. it was it was that that moment was pretty good. Yeah. Some of those juxtaposition things are good. Um, I really hated how, um, the scene where Emma starts breaking down after she chews out, uh, she, she gets chewed out after being rude to one of the ladies. Yeah. She was rude to Mrs. Bates. <sighs> yeah. So Mrs. Bates, like it wouldn't harm a fly, but basically afterward, Knightley comes up to her and he's like, you acted very badly. Like that was in poor taste. She's done not, like she's seen you since you were a child. She knows you and there's no reason for you to treat her like shit. Right. And she starts crying in the carriage. Yeah. Oh my god, I could not deal with it because I thought it was such a fake ass cry. It was. Wasn't it such a fake it was ass an cry? Entitlement. It's supposed to be genuine. Right, but it it feels more like an entitlement like I can't believe he chewed me out for that yeah versus i genuinely feel Feel bad bad about what i did exactly which is how it was in the 1996 version when gwyneth starts crying she's already like oh my god i can't believe i just did that and then knightley comes up says you you behave badly whatever it is i wonder if that was the purpose of this one is to change emma in her style of this movie make her more of a you know self-entitled selfish yeah (laughs) i mean Better word than okay. I just she used. She had so much raging attitude. She did. And there was not enough, like, playfulness to her, which no. is how, like, Gwyneth did it. Oh, man. But the carriage crying scene was painful to watch. That was so disingenuous it was to a fault. So I think right there, I think we could go ahead and wrap up on <laughs> Emma, as you can see, Jessica. We have mixed feelings because obviously we did laugh and obviously yeah. we were, ext- I at least I was extremely upset about some of the choices right and so if you are a fan of the 1996 version this is definitely going to be something different for you uh if you like period pieces maybe you'll get some joy out of that uh but overall those are our feelings on the movie emma from 2020 Mm -hmm. with that said let's go ahead and get to our third movie and that is portrait of a lady on fire Je suis peintre. L'homme intéressé par ma fille est milanais. Le portrait là-bas, si le portrait lui plaît. Il a épuisé déjà un peintre avant vous. Que s'est-il passé Je ne sais pas. Il vous attend. Uh, this is a movie that came out at the end of 2019 yeah. in other places mm-hmm. around the world, but we finally got it in the United States on Valentine's Day weekend. It's still pretty limited, though. Still pretty limited. It's hard to find this movie. Um, I won't say how I saw it. Anyway. <laughs> IMDb synopsis. On an isolated island in Brittany at the end of the 18th century, a female painter is obliged to paint a wedding portrait of a young woman. Now, it's written and directed by French director Céline Siama, and it stars Noemi Morlant, Adèle Hanel, 
And this last one I might have a problem with. Luana Bajrami. I, I believe think. that might be the close close enough I could get. Yeah, I don't think I could say it. <laughs> how how so, has this been received? This is a universally loved movie by critics. It's got a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. And audiences are not far behind, 92% by audience. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, you did speak about it being very limited and it speaks in the box office. Only done $3.7 million here in the U.S., uh, yeah. This is a movie that has not been seen by a lot of people, but for the people who have, mm-hmm. people rave about it in 2019 and ended up on a lot of top 10 year end lists mm-hmm. um, by major movie reviewers. So uh, the United States is finally getting their crack at seeing this movie. Yeah. So with that said, Jessica, what did you think of Portrait of Lady on Fire? I so I just watched it last night. OK. Um. Bro, so I went into this thinking this might be a psychosexual lesbian thriller, which is a genre, a specific genre that I absolutely hate. And the term itself is really disgusting for me. So there's two movies. If you don't know what Jessica is talking about, just think either (laughs) Black Swan or Side Effects by Steven Soderbergh. Those two movies... There you go. It's just a... It's not the... I don't want to say the wrong thing because I obviously don't mind psychosexual movies and i don't mind thrillers and i don't mind lesbian movies but like all together all together oh my god it does something to me i just can't frequent guest miguel albarison <laughs> when he comes on uh he actually loves to bother jessica by saying the phrase in a very specific manner and yes, it um, annoys and it freak, annoys creeps her out, out. yeah anyway to make a long story short i loved portrait of a lady on fire and as soon as it started i was like oh man this is right up my alley (laughs) (laughs) so um i guess we could talk more about like the opening scenes and spoilers but basically i was super into it i thought it was very classy and uh vivacious and surprising yes um it's been a while since I've seen the movie. I did see it back in January. Uh, so, but there's still so many vivid moments that like just stand out from that movie. Okay. Uh, I think this movie is delicate, but mm. also it's passionate, but it's not passionate in the way of like you see characters getting together and, you know, like, you know. Yeah, I don't think that it was... Um Oh my God! What's the term? Like cheesy or no. uh, gratuitous? No, exactly. Or um, distasteful in any way? I thought it was really respectfully done. What like, I love, an honest, like yeah. romance. Yeah. yeah. What I love is how the romance builds. Like, there's this tension between oh characters, God, yeah. and it's not something that you finally get, you know, a release of until you know the back third of the movie but it's building this tension and there's like these knowing glances and their conversations hint at something else you know Mm -hmm. you know they're talking Mm -hmm. almost in code really about either their feelings or their emotions how they feel about each other Mm -hmm. and it is it is something else like special it is special uh celine siama the script is wonderfully done Mm -hmm. just the the dialogue between the characters is amazing the the way this movie is shot oh my god God, it is beautiful what a beautiful movie uh and i think we're gonna have to jump into spoilers to really discuss it it. so let's go ahead give our scores what did you give it i gave it four out of five i gave it a four out of five as well uh and we'll talk about why maybe it wasn't higher but we'll talk about everything in terms of this movie right after this the greatest trick houston we have a problem i am the father i see dead people the devil ever pulled was convincing the world you can't handle the truth he didn't exist oh what's in the box all right so let's go ahead and let's jump right into spoilers uh there's a lot to talk about where do you want to start 
Okay, so I love how this movie starts. Okay. Um, because it starts in on like an art class, and the person who is sitting for the art class, the model, is teaching the class. And that is a classroom full of women, and the model is also a woman. And um, I guess the whole crux is that someone takes out an old painting of hers, and she says, Who took out that painting? And they said, Oh, it, you know, it looks like it's whatever. I can't even recall what they said, but they said, what's the name of it? Right. What's the name of that painting? And she said, oh, it's called Portrait of a Girl on Fire. Right. And boom, we get flashback. The whole movie is flashback. The whole movie is a flashback. (laughs) Yes. And so So, we see um, Marianne, who is the painter, mm -hmm. who is taken to this chateau, pretty much, in France to unsuspectingly paint... Yes. This girl who's going to be a bride. The Yes. Her name is Eloise. Mm-hmm. And so she can't say she's there to paint her. Right. Because a string of painters have tried and failed to paint her. She won't pose for them. She's nope. opposed to the marriage. So she's right. not going to want to sit for the for the portrait of herself, which is going to get sent out to her suitor. Yes. So most of this, at least the first half of the movie, is Marianne just keeping her company and really studying her to kind of get like an impressionistic look of what can I paint Mm -hmm. with not with her not posing for me how can I paint her yeah and then there's there's something that sparks between them at first Eloise is like super like standoffish yeah she has like this uh when was it okay so it's near the beginning of the movie she Eloise is basically like covered up and yeah, it's like she, windy out, windy so she's out. Got a scarf but, and stuff. But there's this moment where she turns around and looks at Marianne, and all you see oh are God. her eyes, yeah. and those piercing eyes. Like she uses it to such an amazing effect, like yeah. to really at the very it's beginning. Basically, the equivalent of like smizing or something. Yeah, she's not smiling. She's like glowering. I don't even yeah. know. She it's is weird. Piercing through mm-hmm. a Marianne, like, and you can see her kind of like Marianne's like, <gasps> like she like. Catches her breath. Yeah, she's taken aback. Like it's she's taken aback because obviously she doesn't know what the lady looks like. She doesn't know what she looks like the whole time. Yeah. So when they go on these walks, she's like stealing glances at her the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's very interesting. Because obviously Eloise reads it differently. Yes. Than what's actually going on. So she's like, why that explains all once she reveals that she's here to paint her, she's like, that explains all of the looks. Yeah. Because Eloise is observant. She's not, mm-hmm. she's not, you know, naive. She, yeah. she can sense that she's getting looks from, from Marianne. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at first, you know, the whole thing was, oh, this is just someone to accompany you for the next week before you leave type the of thing. The whole reason why she needs to be accompanied is because her younger sister? Yes. Or her older sister? Younger. Her younger sister committed suicide yes. on a walk. Yeah. As well. She like just tossed herself off the cliff. So they need someone to kind of look after her pretty Babysit much. Babysit her, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And it's finally after the reveal that she reveals that she's a painter. Then even though it's a standoffish at a certain moment, it finally opens up between the two of them. Right. Because now the walls are down. Yes. And the mom is like, oh, I'm going out for five days. I'm going out of town for five days. And that's when I was like, here we go. This, this is where the magic is, happens. Yes, this is when all bets are off. Like, they're going to really succumb to whatever's going on here. So it was it was very interesting because I felt like a lot happened in the first week or so that the painter Marianne was there. Yeah. But because she does an entire portrait of her, and it is quite good. Yes. It is. But because of a little bit of art criticism from Eloise, (laughs) she smudges the face of the painting and has to basically start over. And now Eloise is going to pose for her. That's a new thing. So the mom's like, oh, okay, fine. Like, do what you need to do, but your take two needs to be perfect. Right. Yeah. Uh, This movie does feature a little bit of nudity. It doesn't, it's not like full out. I thought there was a lot of nudity. 
That's not bush. Well, yeah, that's true. You're right about that. Yeah. Uh, It's not every day that you see that in a movie. But I don't think that there was the male gaze at all. Right. Uh, Luckily, this is where having someone like Celine Siama, a female director, Mm -hmm. behind the camera, knowing what to look for, knowing how to shoot something is very important. And Uh, actually, when we see Bush, it was because she got her period. Yes. She she got her period. She was kind of tossing and turning in bed. She was like, ugh, like uncomfortable. Yeah. And then she kind of reaches down and she was like, went then went downstairs to basically get um, a heating pad. Right. Exactly. (laughs) She had cramps. Yeah. She had cramps. Mm -hmm. So uh, I really enjoy the the it's a sexual tension that does not. You know, it's it just builds. And I love the fact that it's not something that. Oh, we're going to show them having sex and this and that. No, because no. they really don't. They don't. They really don't. It's just, it is a lot of kissing and a lot of touching, but they're really, they like cut too. Yeah. Like morning after, like three or four times, I think. Yeah, they like do. Not, yeah, it it's, wasn't about like showing it. No, at it was all. about how it got to there. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. about the, it was more about the process of showing these two characters falling yeah. for each other than yeah. it is about the actual love like so love making it was interesting because there were like no men no at all in the movie. at all no not it was a, like and the i only think there was just i think was at the beginning the, the guys that the boat. were rowing the painter that's it to the chateau and they were terrible because her freaking canvases fall in the ocean nobody is like oh do you need some help with that she freaking takes off her jacket and like swims after her package of canvases and, like, not a single soul, like, helps her. They, like, th- dump her stuff on the rocks when she when they land. And then the guy, like, just takes off, like, just dips. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. She's like, where do I go? Awful. <laughs> she, like, calls Awful back man. to him. And he's like, oh, just follow the trees. Awful men. <laughs> like, they're terrible. <laughs> and now, even the men that are off screen. Yeah. Are terrible, too. Because we had, we saw an abortion. Yes. In this movie. We did. Um, and that man obviously takes two to tango. There was a man over there that like got her, got the, um, maid pregnant. Yeah, that's true. And he, like, that's not, you know, anyway, uh, there was a lot of stuff that was shown in this movie and it was, definitely. um, I think that the actual abortion was more important than like showing the sex or, or anything yeah, at all. It was. it was more meaningful to see for, at least for Eloise, that character to memorize and I don't want to say document, but document that process. Yes. You know, that was so like impresionante. Um, you know, what's the word in English? It was very powerful. Impactful and it leaves Mm -hmm. an impression on, on the characters. Um, there's a lot of beautiful shots in this movie. Uh, yes. One beautiful shot that I love is uh, near the beginning of the movie is where Marianne sees Eloise in all white. Like, oh my god, I got scared. Did you get scared? Yeah, there was a moment. It felt like it almost felt like, oh like a god, horror movie. We, yes, for a second the because of the way the light shines it? on her, you know, briefly uh-huh. and then goes away. And I guess I, I mean they don't explain that at all. It just no. happens like th- two times, and then you finally see the culmination of that, which is. She's in her wedding attire, I think. No, it wasn't wearing attire. It was like... Is it a nightgown? Nightgown. It was a nightgown that's a flowing nightgown. So that's what it was. But it had to be related to the wedding. I would say yes, because she is the Mm bride-to-be. So it could be a symbolism. she is wearing this, like, elaborate nightgown, I guess, for her first night with her husband, I guess. But my guess. But, But Marianne was thinking of that the whole time. Yes. Marianne was thinking. So of that's it. the thing is that she was always considering that they couldn't stay together. Right. This was a love that would have no future. There was a timer on it. Right. Uh, so now, I like that they were all desperately clinging to freedom and make trying to hold on to memories, and it was it was interesting. Let's talk about. Oh my God! There was like no music at all. Yes. Uh, yes. This movie is. Basically, no score throughout, mm-hmm. except for two key moments. There's only yes. two moments where there's actual music. 
the first moment in the movie is where we get the title portrait of a lady on fire like yes where it comes from yes and it's because there's a group of women out on a beach mm-hmm. and they're having like this um ceremony I, it's like a social social gathering, gathering of sorts but it's all women all women and um they're late at night there's a bonfire going and all of a sudden they break out in this really haunting tune and it was like so eerie because it starts with them um going um what's the term they're they're going up like they're going uh yes like all of them all of them at the same time and then some break off and then some start clapping and stuff and it's very rhythmic and super haunting do you remember it yeah i do remember it i do remember it and they're all like walking towards each other kind of like to form like this choir almost like together um and there's a bonfire and and everything yeah so it felt a little bit like witchy vibes but anyway i read an article on slate about the music because i was like what is that song so it was it was written for the film by peril one and that's the electronic music producer who worked on other films with the director and also written by arthur simonini who was brought in to collaborate on this one song because he had a lot of experience with choirs and so the lyrics that are sung are in um they are in latin okay which is interesting because it's a dead language obviously right um and they're basically chanting not like incoherent things like it some some other movies like us they'll have choral arrangements with latin words that don't mean anything like they're just vowels and sounds in latin that sound menacing but really don't have any meaning but this this song did have lyrics and um it's it's really hard to make out but basically the central chant says non possum fugeri and that in google translate they popped it in like the slate article person <laughs> writer put it in google translate and it says i am not able to escape at all mm. i cannot flee and um more or less like it does represent that feeling of falling in love and like there's no way out like it's just happening yeah um the other coda for the song okay. it says nos resurgemis which means we rise also mm. in that moment with all of these women chanting like we rise like bro <laughs> having all these women together yes yes <laughs> so um it's interesting it's interesting um something about there was like a german phrase that was translated and then it kind of gets bastardized but it basically there the english rendering is the higher we soar the smaller we appear to those who cannot fly okay it's a lot it's, it's a, a lot, lot of meaning it's a lot of meaning and, and it's, it's just for like this one scene where you get the t- entire title of the movie yeah, because this is where Eloise is staring directly at Marianne. They're staring at each other from across the bonfire. And, yeah, and so that's where you see Eloise in it basically the movie just takes that portrait at that moment and you see her dress is on fire. Yeah, she's literally on fire. She's literally on fire, but Eloise has her eyes she locked. Won't break the, yeah, oh, she yeah, won't break the stair. She won't break the stair. Eye contact. And that's where Marianne gets the, you know, the portrait the, this image yeah. this image of what she should paint mm-hmm. uh and then the second musical performance is at the end of the movie this right. is after there was a hint of it when marianne tried to play it on yes. the harpsichord or whatever that was right because marianne was telling her that you know she's gonna love you know milan milan and you know there's uh music and culture and art and you know she's gonna love it and so the movie near the end fast forwards and I love, wait, I want to pause there because oh, okay. Eloise says, so you're telling me that I'm going to have some consolation. Like it's a consolation right. to be out in society actually and have the freedom to listen to music. Because right now the only music I have is church music, organ music. Yes. And so, yeah. I mean, the question, have you heard an orchestra? Have I heard an orchestra? <sighs> yeah, because she, well, not to you, but well, like in okay. the movie. In the movie. She's like, have you heard an orchestra? She's like, no. Yeah. Can you imagine? Oof. 
especially what in that, that time. Is? Yeah. So, I mean, towards the end of the movie, we finally get this kind of circle back because once they separate, she obviously goes off and get, goes off, gets married, and she sees at an art exhibition another painting of Eloise, this time with presumably her child. Yeah. And it, she looks like the picture of motherhood, of, um, you know, of a wife. Yeah. And she has a book in her hand and the page, the page number that she's kind of flipped to with her finger in the, in the painting is page 28, which is the page that Marianne drew a self-portrait of herself in there for her to keep. And like, it says so much, like they're raging against everything still trying to assert themselves and you know leave little easter eggs for themselves because obviously eloise knew she was a painter and of some repute she was going to inherit her father's business and like eventually it would get around that she would see this painting for sure i feel in my heart of hearts that like this wasn't just page 28 oh this is for my own personal like it's gonna hang in my house it was gonna get around like you know it was, it was gonna, gonna go get on out Instagram. there yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was gonna go on instagram yeah like she knew it was gonna get so, out there people were gonna see it so, yeah, so she knew that marianne eventually that was gonna could, see it it was a you know sign of their their bonds their love and oh my gosh when you see the page 28 she was oh my god she's like staring at it like oh my god and then obviously we circle back on the music and she goes to a, a performance of vivaldi's uh concerto number two for violin and g minor yeah and so marianne's on one side of the auditorium and she spots eloise yeah but just stares at her and the camera does this thing where oh my god from it does the perspective of marianne staring at her and the camera just like slowly zooms in during this entire performance yeah and you see like music is soaring and it's so beautiful and it's full and fully realized, and you're just like, oh my god. Then you see her reaction to it. Eloise is yes. like breaking down. Yes. Because it is everything that they talked about before that, yeah, they're not together. It is super bittersweet, but now she has the wherewithal to listen to music and explore art and really lean into these passions that she was so restrained from experiencing before in the convent because she was taken out of a convent to get married and it was was committed suicide right and it was because of marianne's you know encouragement that she could seek that refuge after marriage Mm -hmm. in in that in in pursuing music and art uh this is a beautiful movie it's a beautiful movie i appreciate it now that we're talking about art really fast that they showed uninterrupted shots of her painting and drawing and rendering um, certain parts of the portrait. Yeah. Which were really almost like ASMR, like really relaxing to see, but also interesting to see the process. Yeah. Because it's just not like one thing and then they're done. No, not at all. There's no like, (laughs) there's not like, okay, here's my first draft and then here's my second draft and then here's like the final one. It's like, no. Everything builds off of this first step of like drawing her correctly, getting exactly. her frame right. What do the folds of the dress look like? You know, things like that. Lighting. And I love how um, Eloise is like, when do you know if it's done? When do you know if the portrait is done? And Marianne's <laughs> like, when you stop. When you stop. <laughs> when you stop. It's it's interesting. I thought it was very poetic um, to talk about art in such a way because I personally am really harsh on art and I don't like the kind of art, like modern art, especially. Okay. But the kind of art that's portrayed in this movie to me is like true art. Gotcha. This is like the classical. Classical. Yeah. Almost Rembrandt style. It's beautiful and it takes a lot of skill. And I think that it was just so refreshing to see them talking about art and understanding it in a different way and even the little art criticism that Eloise does on the first draft like the first portrait that she did she's yeah. like does this really look like me yeah 
That's true. She she I love that. Calls her out. And she's like, "What? <laughs> what do you mean it doesn't look like you?" And she's very like distraught over that like comment because her whole thing was to try and capture her essence, but shape it so that it is following gender norms and all of these things and expectations that the person who will receive the portrait is looking for and wants to see. Yes. So it was interesting, very interesting, because she was like, I don't think this looks like me. It doesn't have any of my essence. Man, this is... (laughs) I love Eloise's character, Mm -hmm. just of how, you know, how stern she is at the beginning and just like, I'm not, I'm not messing around. I don't, I hate the situation I'm in. Yeah. I don't want people around me, but there's also like a very, very brief, there's moments where she's inviting Marianne in very <laughs> briefly until she, I guess, snaps back into reality and like, you know, walks away from her, mm-hmm. you know? And I think both of these actresses did an amazing job with their performances. It was awesome. Oh, it was fantastic. And I'll be honest, I this movie, if I had seen it a week sooner in January, <laughs> it, it it would have made my top ten for 2019. Yeah, it's that good. It's that good. Um it it just missed out because I missed it after. So if it counts as a 2020 movie, because <laughs> here in the United States it came out in 2020, right. uh it's it's the number one right now. It's the front runner at the moment. By a long shot. Uh, by a long shot. Like, there's nothing yeah. else in 2020 that has come anywhere close to this movie. Yeah. Uh, and if you love romance, if you love period dramas, if you love mm-hmm. um, art, if you love being feminism. able to... <laughs> feminism. If you love uh, falling into a story and letting it build and take its time building, uh, this is that, that movie. Mm-hmm. It, it is a work of art. Uh, Celine Siama did an amazing job. The actresses are wonderful. The pacing is great. I, I think I'm scoring it too low with a four out of five. Seriously, I almost think me too, but I'll just leave it there. I'll leave it there, and maybe with time, maybe it just like maybe stays like yeah, yeah, exactly, or maybe it increases. So with that, that is our three movies that we yeah. have reviewed this week. And how are you feeling, Jessica? I'm feeling good. I feel like we left the best for last. Yes, we did. I believe so, too. Now, uh, if this is your first time listening, uh, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. If you like us, if you enjoyed this show, if you have enjoyed our show in the past, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That one goes a long way for us because it shows that people really like the show. And so we would love it if you could rate and review us. That would go a long way for us. Don't forget to check us out on social media to stay up to date on everything we're doing, our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Always Critic Pod. Before we get out of here, in this is you're listening to episode 98 at the moment. Uh, in a couple weeks, we will be <laughs> turning 100. Yay! Uh, that is a pretty big deal. So what we are doing is we are doing uh, Ask Me Anything uh, movie related. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, you can uh, send us a message on our social media at Always Critic Pod questions about, you know, our movie going habits, uh, mm-hmm. favorite movies or, you know, what's a movie that we love watching when we aren't feeling good or, you know, anything <laughs> that you can think of. Right. If you want us to rank movies like or if you want us to, you know. Get our thoughts on a certain movie. Let us know. Ask us anything. Send it to us on our social media. And we'd love to answer those questions. Mm -hmm. Can't wait to hear from you guys. Can't wait to hear from you next week. uh, We'll leave it a surprise. And the reason why is because we don't know what we're doing just yet. But uh, stay tuned. But for now, this has been our show. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always the Critic Podcast.